Welcome to these Bible lessons on the Old Testament. In these lessons, we'll cover God's magnificent creation of all the world, including the creation of man, the crown of God's creation. We'll follow with the sad fall of man in paradise and the consequences this brought to the world. In the continuing lessons, we'll teach how God visits men with the revelation of His covenant of grace. When we travel together through the entire Old Testament, we see God visiting His nation of Israel with revelations of this covenant of grace, pointing constantly to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope these lessons are a blessing to you. Thank you. Welcome back to Lesson 20 in our Old Testament History Learning Series. Follow along in your Bibles in Genesis 26 and 27. In English, we have a couple of sayings that describe how children often resemble their parents. One of them is, like father, like son. And another is, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Can you think of any sayings from your culture about how children often resemble their parents? Next, in my country, we have a law against false advertising. It is not permissible, it is not allowed for companies to say that a certain food is healthy when it's actually not. They're not allowed to have one price on the package and then have it cost something else. That's called false advertising. We have laws against that. But we have no laws against people being false advertisers. There are no laws about people saying one thing and meaning another. With people, we often aren't able to figure out what's really on the inside by what we see on the outside. And so in this Bible story today, we're going to See how Jacob is engaged in false advertising in order to get what he really wants. In our story then, we move to Isaac. And in the land of Canaan, a famine has come. And we're also going to learn about the riches that he comes into. And, and then later on in our story, we'll look at how Jacob gets the blessing. And so a famine has arrived in Canaan and the Lord appears to Isaac and he says, do not go into Egypt. Stay in this land. I will be with you. I will bless you. And I will keep the promises that I have made to your father Abraham. And so while Abraham was called by God to leave his land, or his country in faith. Here, Isaac is called by faith to stay in this country. So Isaac does move a little bit further to the west near Gerar, and this is going to be west of Beersheba, 
the land of the Philistines, where Abimelech is king. And it's in this country, in this land of the Philistines, that he falls into the same sin as his father Abraham. He's fearful that the Philistines will see how beautiful his wife Rebekah is and kill him. And so he says, it's not my wife. She is not my wife. She's only my sister. Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, finds out about this deceitful practice from Isaac and he comes to Isaac and he sternly corrects him. We can see here how Isaac commits the same sin as his father Abraham, not learning from it. Often children will make the same mistakes and sins as their parents, not learning from their example. But we see that as Isaac stays in this land, he is blessed incredibly by God. He stays here and God blesses his flocks, his herds, He's made very wealthy. There's an increase in the number of his servants as well. And the Philistines see this. They see how Isaac is doing very well. And they become jealous and envious of him. If we go back several years, you might remember that Abraham had a treaty of friendship. And he was able to access the water that was in some of these wells near Gerar. But since Abraham died, the Philistines have filled all these wells with dirt. And Isaac moves around this part of the country. And he comes to one of those wells that his father has dug in the past. And he frees it up again. And he makes the well operate again. And he renames it again, just as his father had done. You can imagine that in this arid land, that water meant life. And especially, water meant life in a time of famine. So as he redigs these wells, then the Philistines come along and they say, Hey, this water belongs to us. You ought to leave. Get out of here. Despite being mightier than the Philistines, wealthier than them, Isaac takes a very peaceful approach. He refuses to fight back and he just picks up and he moves to a different area, frees up one of the wells again, and he renames it. And soon the Philistines appear again. Hey, this water belongs to us. Get out of here. Isaac again refuses to fight back and he continues to go from well to well until finally the Philistines leave him alone at one of the wells where, that he has freed again. Isaac names that, re, that well Rehoboth, which means the Lord has made room for us. This well, Rehoboth, is quite close to Beersheba. And eventually Isaac moves again closer to Beersheba. And the same night that he does that, the Lord appears to him. And he says the same promise that he has received that he has given to Abraham. God says to Isaac, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee, and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant's sake. You can read that in verse 24 of Genesis 26. And so 
Isaac receives the same blessing as his father received, and he responds the same way as well. He responds by building an altar and publicly calling upon the name of God. Eventually, the disagreement with the Philistines is settled and a friendship treaty is formed. We can see that God's blessing and God's desire to fulfill his covenant is going to remain and stand fast no matter what nation comes up against it. In the next part of our story, we'll look at it in four different sections. First, we'll look at it through the eyes of Isaac, and then through the eyes of Rebekah, and finally, Jacob, and then Esau. Time continues on, and Isaac gets older. He's feeling the effects of old age. He can't move as well, and his eyes are beginning to fail. Glasses won't help him. They don't have glasses at this time, so many old people would become blind. He, he knows that the time for him to die is coming soon, and it's his desire to pass on the blessing. Now Isaac is going to try to make sure that Esau, his favorite son, receives this blessing. And so he calls Esau to him and he says, Esau, my son, take your bow and arrow, go off into the field, shoot some animal for me and bring home that venison meat, prepare it the way I love to eat it, and then I will bless you. Isaac knows that the blessing must go to Jacob, but he's going to try to give it to Esau. Esau knows the blessing has to go to Jacob as well. But he thinks, hey, great. Father Isaac is going to give me the blessing. I'm not going to say anything about selling this birthright to Jacob, and I'll just take it myself. And so Esau quickly leaves the tent and takes his bow and arrow and goes off on a hunt. Now let's move in our story to Rebekah. Rebekah overhears what Isaac's plan is. And now she is going to try to outsmart her husband and make sure that Jacob receives the blessing. And so she calls Jacob, her son, to her and tells him everything what she has heard. She says, Jacob, quickly, go off to the flock and bring back two small goats, two kids, and, and I will kill them and make a meal out of them. While I'm doing that, Jacob, you put on Esau's clothing. I'll give you the meal and you go to your father. Pretend you're Esau and then you will get the blessing. Jacob is not so sure about this. He thinks he's going to get caught and he thinks he's going to get a curse from his father instead of a blessing. And Rebekah says, no, 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 don't think like that. If you are cursed, then let that curse be on me. Just do what I say. Go get those goat kids from the flock. And Jacob obeys, he brings them back. They are killed, a meal is prepared, and Jacob goes and puts Esau's clothing on. And Rebekah takes the, the skins of the goats and puts them on the backs of 
Jacob's hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And so now it's time to take up Jacob's part of the story. He's given the meal by his mother. He has these skins on his hands and on his neck. He's wearing Esau's clothing and he's going to go into his father. And he enters the tent there and he says, Father, I'm here. Here's your meal. Eat it and then you can bless me. Isaac doesn't really trust this. And he says, who are you? Jacob lies. Jacob says, I am Esau. I'm your son, Esau. Here, eat this food and then you can bless me. Isaac still does not trust what is going on here. And he says, why have you come back so quickly then from the field? How is it possible that you have gone out hunting, captured an animal, and killed it and prepared a meal so quickly? Then Jacob lies quite severely. He says, God helped me, Father. It's as if he says, as soon as I went out on my hunt, God put an animal in my path and God helped me. I'm doing this with God's help. What a serious thing, Jacob, to involve God's name in your lies. Isaac still is not trusting of this. And he says, come a little closer. Let me touch you. And so Jacob, his heart pounding, comes closer to his father. Can you imagine how nervous he must be? thinking that maybe his sin, his deceit is going to be found out. And Isaac touches him. And Isaac says, hmm, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. Are you really my son? Yes, I am, Jacob's reply is, lying once again. And so Isaac eats the meal and he blesses his son. You can read that blessing in verses 27 through 29. He blesses Jacob, thinking it's Esau. He blesses him with prosperity. He blesses him with riches, riches in his crops. He blesses him with a rule over his brothers. He promises a curse upon those who curse him, and he promises a blessing upon those who bless him. Jacob is promised riches and royalty. The blessing that was announced to Abraham, then given to Isaac, is now passed on to Jacob. So in a way, Rebekah and Jacob kind of think they might be successful in their plan to get the blessing. But what they don't understand is that it is not allowed by them to use sinful methods to get what God has promised them. The Lord would have given the blessing to Jacob anyways, without them using such sinful ways. At this time, Jacob leaves the tent and Esau shortly returns with the animal. He kills it and prepares a meal and he goes to his father. Well, very soon it becomes clear to everyone what has happened. Isaac then realizes that Jacob has deceived him. Esau realizes that Jacob has tricked him again for the second time. Esau cries out about this. He wants a blessing too. But Esau, don't you remember how you despised your birthright? 
Isaac realizes now at this time that it is actually also wrong of him to have tried to sneakily give Esau the blessing. Isaac sees that it is God who is working here to make sure that Jacob is lifted up over Esau. And so he says, I have blessed Jacob and he shall be blessed. It's as if he says, I am not going to change things if he could. Esau is not going to receive that blessing, but he cries out again for another blessing. And he is blessed by Isaac, but the key difference between the blessing given to Jacob and the blessing given to Esau is that the one that comes to Esau has nothing in it that points to that future Savior, the future Christ. From this moment on, Esau hates his brother even more, and he is going to look for an opportunity to kill Jacob. He thinks, as soon as my father is dead, I'm going to kill Jacob. Somehow this comes known to Rebekah. And then she looks out for her son Jacob and she says, Jacob, you need to leave because your brother is seeking your life. Why don't you go off to Haran where my brother Laban lives and you will be safe there. And, and then you come back when your brother is not so angry at you anymore. What is the connection here for us today? What can we learn about this? There are some obvious lessons about how not to behave in a family, but our lesson, we want to look a little closer at who God is, and we want to look at what God does and how God unfolds more of his plan of salvation. In our last lesson, we've looked at God being a sovereign God and how his will is the first cause and the last cause for anything to happen in this world. So maybe you have the question, why does this have to go this way? Why did this story have to have so much deceit and sin in it? Couldn't Esau have died? And then Jacob would have received the birthright anyway. There could have been less sin then. Well, we can begin an answer to that by looking at what God's commandments are to us. Let's look at a few of them. We can see that God's desire and command for all people are, is that they would be faithful to him and that they would obey God. God desires that everything is done in a right way and in a proper way. We can read that in Micah 6 verse 8, where the entire law of God is summarized as follows. And what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? Next, God desires that all people are honest and truthful with each other. We can read in Proverbs 12, verse 22, Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. God desires that people live in harmony and peace with each other. 
Read along with me in 1 Timothy 2, verses 2 and 3. And there we read, That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So without a doubt, Jacob and Rebekah were wrong in the sinful ways in which they went about to get the blessing. Said another way, God is not the author of sin because sin is rebellion against God. We can see that summarized in James 1 verses 13 and 14 and I will leave you to read that on your own later. And so we see that in this story that is full of so much evil, that God is able to bring good out of evil circumstances. God's purpose and plan will always be accomplished, even though man's sinful actions go against God's commandments. Sin is still serious. The sinner is still very responsible for his or her actions. But we can stand in awe of God's wisdom and God's power, who is able to turn sinful actions of men who rebel against God into reasons to praise God. One of Jacob's sons later says something about this in Genesis 50, Verse 20, and there he says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. The last thing that we can look at here is how this story tells us something of the way in which a sinner can be accepted by God. Let's take a look at a few examples from Jacob's story. First, if Jacob went in front of Isaac as Jacob, he would have been cursed and not blessed. Second, we can see in this story that in order for Jacob to appear before Isaac, an animal needed to be killed first. And third, we can see that he appeared in front of Isaac wearing Esau's clothing. And in the fourth place, we can see that Isaac smelled Jacob and then he was satisfied and he blessed him. So how can we see in this somewhat of a story or narrative in the way in which a sinner can be seen as righteous in God's eyes? We know that sinners are not able to appear before God without being saved. We know that if a sinner would appear before God, they would be under the curse of sin that Adam, our representative, brought upon us by rebelling against God. Sinners are under the curse. Second, we know that Christ had to be slain as a sacrifice in order to satisfy the justice of God. And for sinners to appear before God, they cannot be in their own 
clothing. They cannot come in front of God with their own righteousness because the Bible describes their righteousness as filthy rags. But rather, sinners need to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Christ's righteousness will then be accepted as if it is the sinner's. We can read that in Isaiah 61, verse 10, where we read, For God hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. Next, we can see that God is pleased with the sacrifice of Christ. The work of Christ is always satisfying to God the Father. In conclusion, in this story, we have seen how the promised blessing for Jacob came to be in his possession. The consequences of Jacob's sin here are going to follow him for the rest of his life. We're going to learn about that in our next lesson, in addition to learning about how God has continued to watch over Jacob.